There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 953. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Destiny is calling you. Uh, you probably need a new website. Because we rely too heavily on social media these days. So uh, make it with Squarespace, all right? Whatever idea you have, you can turn it into a website. You can showcase your work. You can, you can blog your content, publish it to people on your terms, sell products and services of all kinds, or announce an upcoming event or a special project. Squarespace does this all by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, very powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything, and then the ability to customize the look and feel, the settings of the products with just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. Uh, it's a new way to buy domains. You can choose from over 200 extensions. And analytics are going to help you grow in real time. Plus, nothing to patch or upgrade ever and 24-7 award-winning customer support. So make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Use the offer code ID10T to save 10%, just like the 10 in ID10T, 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Um, let's take a journey to the corkboard. Jose Morero writes, uh, I've been working to help manufacture statues, collectibles from video games and comic books as a production director and finally launched my own independently funded toy. The toy is called uh, Wepa, inspired by the single-serve treat found at your local bodega. It reinforces positivity with its powerful expression. You cannot help but smile when you look at it. Wepa, flan toys and stickers sold at wepaflan.com or you can follow Instagram, Wepa, W-E-P-A underscore flan, F-L-A-N. And Dave Hollinger writes, my wife wrote a book called Ava Rose Greenwood, Junior Novelist. The book is funny, positive, appropriate for all ages, primarily targeted for tween girls. But my guess is that there are a lot of listeners like me with preteen kids. He has a 10-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, and they really enjoyed the book. Uh, he made a secret page on the website just for me and ID10T listeners that's worth checking out. Even if you have zero interest in the book, it's avaavarosegreenwood.com slash ID10T. Well done, Dave, and congratulations to your wife uh, for uh, writing a really cool book. This episode is my dear friends Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. Um, they are both brilliantly funny comedians, and they are married, and they have a new baby. Um, and they also have The Honeymoon Special, which is their stand-up special, The Honeymoon Stand-Up Special, streaming now on Netflix. It's really great. They each do sets, and then they come out together and kind of like riff with the audience. Um, so you should watch it. It is fantastic, and they are fantastic. Um, and uh, and also, maybe you should also watch uh, Another Period that Natasha co-created and co-writes and co-produces with Ricky Lindholm. So, so that's this episode, which is also brought to you by Mattress Firm. 
Are you struggling to get to sleep? It's likely that you are, because your head spins a million miles an hour and you can't get comfortable. But the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help you. They are America's neighborhood mattress store. They're going to help you stretch your budget a little bit further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. These are mattress experts. They're even more than mattress experts, actually, because they're going to help you build your bed from headboard to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have decor. Uh, they will have you covered literally and figuratively. Go to mattressfirm.com slash ID10T and save 10% with the code ID10T through May 8th. Mattress Firm offers you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Again, mattressfirm.com slash ID10T to learn how your sleeping could be tremendously improved. Also, stamps.com. These days, you get practically everything on demand, like this podcast, like all of your content. <laughs> Listen whenever you want, which is very convenient for you. So why are you still going to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? Uh, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer. The mail carrier just picks it up, click print mail, and you are done. It could not be easier. Right now, you can use the offer code ID10T for up to $55 of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. So please don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in ID10T. That's Stamps.com under the promo code ID10T. And I thank them for continuing to sponsor this podcast, even though we changed the name. And now here's the ID10T podcast number 953 with Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. Katie, roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. God, it's today. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, congratulations. Are we Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll okay. start. Oh, we've started. This is starting. Oh wow, this is happening. Have you ever heard about Alan Funt? Uh, Candy Camera. Yeah, he originally was a uh, a radio, and for those of you listening, a radio host. For those of you listening, radio was like um, podcasting. <laughs> Wait, what? It was a, it was the original podcasting, but it Wait, was. So where would what? I download it? Yeah, you could. Well, you didn't down. This is pre-download. I understand. Uh, okay, the rate. Okay, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What's the URL? <laughs> okay, so what's the URL? So he would Earl. before he did Candid Camera, he did a some version of a comedy radio show where he would like interview military people and he would have them in and he would be he would be interviewing them and they'd be so interesting and talking about all their interesting military stories and they'd be like, okay, great, now we're going to start. And he would press record and the light would come on and then the guys or girls would invariably be like. Uh, I, uh, so he invented this idea of, oh, just walk, somebody would come in and they, he would do like an hour conversation with them and then they'd be like, okay, when do we start? And he'd be like, oh, we already did it. Yeah. <laughs> they, I, I've never, I, I think someone had turned into a drinking game after a couple of years, the point, like how far into the podcast it would get before someone would go, oh, when do we start? And it's, it was for that exact same reason is because. You don't, especially for people who are accustomed to doing, when they think of this as like, oh, this is like doing a radio show or whatever, then they immediately get defensive and their postures uh -huh. up and their armors up. But if you can kind of 
just you know show them that you're just talking to them then they're totally i thought you were gonna say he was gonna he was like the the alley g of his day alan funt and you would fuck with these people uh, and they had no idea no alan funt was a predator for those alan- of you that don't know he was a monster of a man <laughs> and that was before when there uh, the, uh, the, that was in the time where you could say whatever you wanted and people wouldn't like there was no backlash <laughs> you could say whatever you wanted like except- now i feel like when i'm off when I'm off the mic with my friends, usually I don't want that recorded. Sure. <laughs> That's back when you could say whatever you wanted except I'm dating that person of color. And dad. And then your dad would be like, no! Yeah, right. That's the only thing you couldn't say. <laughs> Wait a minute. What did you say? It was, it was a screen cap. It was a screen cap from your special where you had two people on stage and it was something about, did they share a unicycle or they each have their own? Uh, oh, it was like two hipsters. And I was like, oh, do you guys have, uh, do you guys share a unicycle or do you each have, each have your own? And I think they were like, well, we only have one. Like they actually, <laughs> or no, that was the people who I asked, what vegan cafe did you meet oh, at? And they were was... like, actually, we did meet at a vegan cafe, but it was in Peru. No, truly, it was a riff that became reality. So the structure. It's so easy to like read people. The structure of our, po- of our podcast our podcast but we did a podcast but with cameras and it's for Netflix it's called a comedy <laughs> and special and it was just a one off <laughs> yeah it's like radio but there's visuals Wait and it's, what? It's, was Alan Funt there yeah Alan Funt, what's happening Alan Funt produced it you produced it I did it was it, great it's very complicated but the structure is that it's like a three part special so uh, Natasha does a set I do a set and then we do a set together where we come up and roast couples from the audience kind of impromptu roast and one of the couples came up and they looked all funky and Natasha riffed what vegan cafe did you guys meet at? And they were like, actually, it was a vegan hostel, and it was in Peru. Oh, yeah, vegan hostel. <laughs> it was like, we were like, no, this can't be real. Yeah, sometimes sometimes I feel like there is like a uh, like a sarcastic psychic yes. gene where you say something, and then because obviously it registered somewhere deep in your subconscious, Absolutely. and you quickly did the math, and you say something, and it turns out to be true. You're like, oh, my God, I was just fucking around, but... You obviously noticed something. No, my theory on crowd work has always been that there's like true magic in every crowd. And if I can't, if I never find it, I do a lot of crowd work in my set. And Me if too. I, if I Love didn't, it. if you don't find it, don't you feel that way? Like if I didn't find it, it's not because it wasn't there. It's because I, I fucked up somehow tonight. Like right. there is always a story where invariably somebody will come up to you after the show and go like those. Chris, you you hired people to come with you right. to Denver, right? It's like, no, that's how magical people are. Yes. Yeah, and there's like a synchronicity. Remember there was a girl I was talking about, Freegans, who are like vegans who like wait by dumpsters and eat things if it's for free. Oh, okay. Do you know about this? They're vegan. But wait, so but so the food has to be vegan and no, disposed of. No, they eat chicken. Oh, no, Freegans. Oh, it has just... to be free. Okay. No, they're vegan. You always, you never could quite stick this. They're <laughs> vegans. This is her joke. They're vegans. <laughs> I just remember it. It's just always confusing. Four years of marriage, yeah. everyone. Four years. She wrote this. Of uh, marriage. They're vegans unless it's free, in which case they'll, they'll eat sausage. They'll eat a sausage. Yeah. Right. But I mean, oh. they are also are kind of vegans. That's why it's confusing. Well, yes, they're kind of vegans in that they're vegans unless they it's free. they don't all eat sausage. I think some of them They'll are just eat anything vegans. that's free. Yes. No, a freegan <laughs> is defined... Alan Funt first said a freegan <laughs> the is... The first freegan <laughs> was Alan Funt. First there was freegans. Then yeah. came radio. In the 80s, there was freeganomics. Uh, <laughs> Trickle-down freeganomics. Trickle freeganomics. That's where you, you put a sausage above your head and, and you wring it out like a towel. <laughs> well, I just riffed that, uh, that that is the definition of a freegan. No, you didn't. It is a real thing. You think that a, the actual well, definition is that they will, they will eat a sausage can, if it's free? Can we get a Google... Can we get a Google on this? 
Katie is Googling now. Katie I Google. just thought it was funny to say if they eat a sausage. No, it's what they are. It's your. This is your joke. Moshe, I know. Yeah. I'm just, as a man, I feel like it's my job to maybe explain to you. <laughs> Moshe always joke. wanted me to say it a certain way, and I like to just riff it a different way all the time. Freeganism is a practice and ideology of limited participation in the conventional economy and minimal consumption of resources, particularly through recovering wasted goods like food. No, they just, the they word, just wait outside of dumpsters. The word freegan is, is a portmanteau of free and vegan. While vegans avoid buying animal products as an act of protest against animal exploitation, freegans, at least in theory, avoid buying anything as a... Maybe I'm wrong. Could that be? I'm as a, an I'm a act man and of protest against the food system in general. <laughs> so they just don't want to pay for stuff. Exactly. Because that contributes to the... Thank you. Wait a minute. This is the f- maybe the first time in our marriage that I've been wrong? Well, that feels inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to let them think they're right most of the time, but then you're doing what you want to do. Listen, ga- <laughs> What do you mean, them? What do you mean, them? We're very binary. It's very... It's we're either very, on or we're it, off. It's very easy to control us because uh, we have very simple needs. It's true. We All I want... need is a is a warm dumpster to cozy up next to. <laughs> hey, baby, you're my warm dumpster. Am I right over here? Oh, we sat next to a group of those over here guys the other night, and uh, we were fascinated. It was like three kind of like muscle dude bros and like three trophy ladies sitting across from them. And was this at a restaurant? It was at a restaurant, and uh, all they could talk. It was like a fucking sketch. Everything they talked about referred to the square footage of things. Like that was the Hilarious. that was the economy of their and and also That's they funny. were wildly incorrect about how square Wait, feet were. Wait, but work. what's what's the, what's an example? Oh, so uh, yeah, you remember at that hotel in Vegas? Uh, that room was like ten thousand square feet. Wait, like what? no hotel room. <laughs> Is ten thousand square feet? That is the su- that is a massive multi-story. You remember, you remember for Cindy from college? She's so hot, but she had square feet. Very though. square. That's Very like ten thousand of them. She had like ten thousand of those. Wait, I don't get numbers. Why? Why are they so intrigued by square footage? Because I, I what the as as much as I could glean in the short period of time that we had to tolerate them, is, is that that was sort of their chest beating. Was that the more square footage something had, the more um, luxurious and therefore expensive and the more like, hey, we're significant this is. They <laughs> would not stop talking about the square footage of things. And, but in that, in that accent, it was like if you saw it on SNL, you'd be like, this is the hackiest sketch I've ever seen. And it was wow. totally well, you know what I call that? I call that life hack. That was life hack. Not yeah. a, a life hack. This precedes life hacks. Yes. The life hack is where life gets so cliche. You're like, oh my God, I'm in a hacky bit Yeah, this, right now. this can't I'm in be a bit. This is, I'm in a sketch. Yeah. So I died and this is my purgatory is having to be in this sketch uh, next to these gentlemen. There was a episode of Twilight, of the Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone, uh, where a stand-up comedian dies and goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And for him, hell was... That he, if he tried to do his material, he would bomb. But if he told true and horrifying details about his actual life, the audience would laugh. And that was the only way he could get laughs. <laughs> you know, and that's interesting because that sounds like there was a common, there was a, a somewhat common sitcom convention in the 80s where a person on the show or a friend of someone on the, of a cast member would try stand up and bomb and then start telling real stories about like their mom or their friends and everyone would laugh and those people were like hey that's not funny you know that was a very common thing and i think it happened on like happy days it happened it happened on a few sitcoms there's also uh i'm dying up here that there's a oh yeah is it good i haven't seen it i 
haven't seen it also. Okay. But I, saw, I saw the first episode and I felt like there was a a moment of um, tell your truth and you'll get laughs, which I think is a, is a more contemporary uh, convention about stand-up. And right, also, that's not from the 70s. Right, this is more... Which is when that show takes place. But, but also, well, Richard Pryor definitely led the charge right. in that. However, um, I think that... Uh, there's a little more when people go, oh, just tell the truth. Like, well, you also need to understand nuance, read audiences, know how to write jokes. Because if you just go up on stage and – I mean I've seen people just go up and tell true stories. And yeah. It's- oh, hey, how about in your first six months of stand-up, don't tell the bit you're working on about your deepest childhood trauma. Get some chops maybe a little bit. You know, work out some of your hackier joke form things and then go to the – How about the guy we saw last night? Can we repeat that? What was it? What, 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 no. I mean you can. I won't. No, do it. <laughs> you saw you saw someone on stage last night somewhere. Well, he. <laughs> you're this gonna could, regret. You're okay, gonna regret okay, this okay I, I won't say it. I'm sorry. No, Just, say it. Well, I, no, because if he, he listens, it'll I'm be devastating to him, right? No. no, he he was he was very into it. We me, you want me to say it? Well, there was a guy that was doing bits about his. Uh, he basically what, what was the open? What was the thing he opened with? You're not going to want this on your podcast. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. When an adult, I mean, you can edit he, it he out. Just, you edit he, things. He basically got on stage, but you can cut this out. You can talk around it. Okay, no, you, can. you know, uh, the, <laughs> you know the thighs and the stomach of a five year old boy. Okay, so oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, he basically got up there and said, "Hey, it's easy to to. It's easy to get laughs when you were mm, when you were five years old, and that's oh. that was his opener." And it was real, and it was you know very very dark. And did anyone laugh, or was everyone like, the did, room, was it just like a the screeching? The room laughed. But here's the only way I think this will be fun for us to talk about. The room laughed, and but Natasha got extremely upset. And, and it was the show Kill Tony. Do you know that show? No. Tony Hinchcliffe does a, a podcast at, at the Comedy Store where they they pick comedians out of a hat. Oh and yeah, they come yeah, up yeah. And do a minute, yeah, and then you kind of roast them afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So he did it, and he got a good laugh, this guy, because he was saying, he was sort of embracing, just what we're talking about, embracing yeah. his trauma yeah. in a way that was... As to, an opener. To him, empowering, and to yeah. the audience, they saw it as empowering as well. But Natasha, I thought what was interesting about last night, Natasha got really affected by it, because... Because I have a baby now. <laughs> like, the and I darkness was like, oh, is you, too dark. Yeah. You, you leave your kid alone with someone, and they're going to like do that? Yeah. I well, I, I, I mean, I, I've talked to many comedians who've had kids and then said, oh, yeah, you can't help it. It just – things change when you have your own kid because you're – you you can't understand it until you have a kid that is part of you, and sh- some shit's not funny anymore. And I've I've, I've I have I have friends who can never watch horror movies again because they just imprint it onto their own kids. You don't know how many dying baby jokes I pitched on another period. And they were always like, nobody thinks dying babies are funny. And I was like, but it's so funny. And it's not funny anymore. No, now it's not funny. It's still funny to me. It's not- it's, is something wrong with me, or does it take men longer? I don't know, but I don't want that to be true. I don't, Maybe I you haven't hooked into the, the full force I don't of want, being a I, father. I want to hook into the full force of being a father, but I don't want things to stop being funny. I don't want to stop watching horror movies. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, I'm hoping I break through to something new. Because we also saw that Joaquin Phoenix movie. Did you, have you seen that yet? You were never really here? Oh, no. How was that? It was... Um, was intense. it arty? It was very arty. It was like an art film with violence. Yeah, That's an art film said. with extreme violence. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. And there's a lot of child... 
sex uh, things happening in it. Jesus. And it's very dark. Oh, it's unbelievably dark. And uh, Natasha also had a real hard time with that be- oh, because of that content. Well, it's the darkest thing because it's like all you have to do is molest a child and then their life gets fucked up. Yeah. For, and they're so forever. little and harmless, uh, help- helpless. And, 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 you're, and you're, seeing, you're seeing this tiny little creature that came out of your body and you, I would imagine your prime directive is like, I must protect this at all costs. Well, my prime directive is to not contaminate cultures with Federation ethics. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> That's sort of my prime, prime directive. directive. Right, right. That's your prime <laughs> But secondarily. But also even like old men and, you know, some of those comics we saw last night who were like bombing and just like saying like things that weren't funny. Like I just kept thinking like they used to be a little baby. <laughs> yep. And you I don't want to say anything bad about you know, it. Very, there's a very similar... I'm, uh, the childless someone called me at my, my so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day uh, when Robert Kirkman was over and he was it was so funny that he picked up on this he was fascinated because he has a couple kids that Lydia walked by during the podcast and she was like oh what do you want to do for dinner night you want to go out somewhere or do you want to stay in and I go I don't know we'll figure it out and he was like what is happening he goes you childless fuck like so as a childless fuck I will say that um, childless I see, you know... So you'll have round-the-clock help anyway when, when you, you have, have a child, your, so you'll course. still be able to do that. Okay, good. But <laughs> when you but but when you have your own pets and you go out into the world and you're at a zoo and you, and you see, like, a lion or something, you're like, it looks just like a noob! Like, you see your own pets in other animals in the world. That's a very bad comparison no, to your it's children. Not. No, 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 but, we, but, no, no, but, no. But whatever you're connected to is what you is how you see the world. No, Chris, we think of her as a pet. <laughs> 100%. She, we put, um, what's the call? Front line on her back of her neck. <laughs> just yeah. between the shoulder blades. Yeah, you no, just do it right between the shoulder blades once a month. You well, see, it. we're just scratching a little bit, and we're just like, I know what to do here. Yeah, advantage. Controls, fleas, and ticks. That's right. The collars weren't working. She was pulling them off, chewing on them. That's not healthy. Isn't that the comedian, though? The comedian has got to be the guy or the girl who is able to go into the dark place for comedy, even after the, uh, you know, the, the, the child. Barrier. But being it, but also, but but if you can't, but if your psyche can't find the nuanced yeah. way into that to to present it in a way that is ridiculous and fantastical and and clearly um, you know uh, exaggerated for comedic effect, then I would imagine like that's not. That's just not possible anymore. Then it's just telling sad stories on stage. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Natasha Lazero is now a dr- stand-up dramatist. <laughs> no, come on. Well, I found that like I, I it was very important for me to talk about my dad dying on stage, and it was the the process of finding where the jokes were, mm-hmm. and find you know it's like oh some people were okay with this, but they were like I w- I tried so many times to write something about having an open casket uh-huh. like how weird it is like I had a nephew that was poking him in the face and how, and how you're just basically it's just like a weird party it's a weird family reunion that's even weirder because your dead father is in the court and I could never no matter how many angles I hit it from I just di- I guess I didn't have the skill set to that one concept people wouldn't would they were never comfortable with because they're picturing it they're picturing it yeah. yeah they're like seeing you trauma dad in the cl- I mean it's, yeah. that's a that's a tough sell so it was and that- you might be reminding them of their dead parents of course on top of that yeah so I was never able to make that one fly so it's not always it'd be nice if you looked out the whole audience is quiet but there's one guy yeah, like, <laughs> yes, Chris. Yes, <laughs> your dad's dead. <laughs> when yeah. my dad died, um, I got an email from because people, as you know, are so ill-equipped 
uh, to deal with death. Because yeah. it, and it happens to everyone. Invariably, always, it will happen to everyone. But people just don't know how to deal with it. And my dad died when I was 20, so my friendship circle was even less equipped. And I got an email from uh, a person that was like, sorry to hear about Yo Papa. <laughs> yo Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to talk trying. to him. I'm just going to be real with him. I'm just going to be real with him. <laughs> Did you write him back? I mean, I just, I, I was so, I was beyond, it was just, it, this just happened to me today. I like when things like this happen. I posted about our special today and somebody wrote in the comments, SJW Cuck. And it was, it was such a ha- SJW? Social, Social Justice, Justice Warrior, Warrior. Cuck. Oh. And it was such a hacky insult that it like, it burst immediately through offended, through uh, angry through amused all the way back into I like this guy I think this is so cliche so that's how I felt about about that's sorry to so hear funny about is that when people troll you with stuff like that and you get mad and they think like aha I got them it's like that's not the reason that like, it's a fucking hacky <laughs> fuck you write a better fucking troll joke so, so with uh, sorry to hear about your papa I actually just sort of immediately was like this is kind of awesome I must uh, admire how bad you just whiffed it I just realized something what. Things really started to go downhill once troll became a verb. <laughs> I guess that's true. When, you know, once we like labeled it. As soon as, as, soon as we that it. happened with the internet, it's like that's really what is bad about the internet. Well, yeah, maybe so. Again, you know. That didn't used to have a name. No, but if. Because it wasn't a thing. <laughs> But it, but if you know sort of what we were talking about a little bit before the podcast, if if part of our if part of our biological narrative is significant, like we must create, we must feel significant in some way. We have to feel significant in some way, and then you have a bunch of people who don't understand, or maybe they were hurt, or they don't understand how to get good attention through a positive support structures, then they're just going to break shit because yeah. then they'll get attention that way but and it empowers them. But they want attention them. more now than they used to. I think the right. internet's it's making everyone want attention where other people... I, I, I compare it to this. Like <clears throat> when um, my ex-ex-ex-girlfriend was on the fourth season of The Real World. Whoa, that was a lot of math I just had. Uh, yeah, it was XXXX. XXX, four, one, two, three, four. So she was on the fourth <laughs> season of Real World, and they were most of them were all Europeans. And that was kind of like the first reality. That wasn't that the first big reality show? It was show? the first kind of big regular reality show besides, like, cops. Can we guess? Was it Puck? It was Puck. Okay, great. <laughs> no, Puck was San Francisco. This okay. was London. Nice try. That was season three. Um, and so they hadn't really... They didn't. They, none of them were really familiar with The Real World, and so everyone... Like at the time, it was a, it was considered a boring cast because they didn't fight, they didn't do anything. So what a lot of people who were watching the real world didn't understand is that the producers would basically shoot all this footage of these kids and then construct stories in the edit. Oh wow! They would create fake stories, kind of fake stories, like things that they were based on things that happened. But they would take like the beginning of one sentence and the end of another sentence and make it one sentence and apply it to something that it was never. And That's so, like called something in reality TV, like Frankenstein, like it's something. some kind of Frankenstein thing. Uh, yeah. Now it's called truth. Uh, <laughs> Did you see the video just today of the Obama video? Did you see that? No. It's basically a video. Like it's gone to its furthest iteration because it's a video of Obama, who I don't know if you guys know, he was he's our our last. Our Last president what? who's on the last season of The Real World. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he was on the last uh, season. Yeah. By the way, The Real, Real World, World DC. for me, I always used to say about The Real World, they call it The Real World, but 
it's anything but. Um, <laughs> no, that's where people start stop pretending and they get real. <laughs> right. Whatever start that's being it. polite. And yeah, and start, start getting real. Getting, but no, this video is making the rounds on the internet. You'll see it tonight. I'm sure you probably just – it was today that it came out. It's Obama talking and his mouth is moving to, uh, with the, the words that he's saying. But it's Jordan Peele, his voice impersonating Obama saying, you know – I, I think, you know, I think Keen Peel is the greatest comedy troupe of all time. And Donald Trump, it's basically the the furthest iteration, and, and it's only the beginning of the technology, of like video manipulation. Sure, sure, sure. Any, oh, yeah. There is no more truth now. No, 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 no. And tr- truth is very subjective because people can kind of build whatever truth they want. But, with the, but, but what was your point about the real world? What happened is... They would they would construct these inflated stories and create characters on the show based on you know whatever sort of footage they could cobble together to to create very you know this is the this is the obnoxious person this is the sensitive person this is the angry person and I remember when they first saw their first episode they said to the producers like this none of this happened that way and the producers like no 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 we never said it was a real life we said it was a reality based soap opera when they would talk to the kids wow so. In the beginning, the the producers were creating these um, these kind of inflated, exaggerated personalities, and so a generation of kids watched that and thought, "Oh, that's what you have to do." So then they start. Th- so then the next wave of kids came in batshit. They're mimicking it. So they were mimicking uh. a manipulated version oh, of reality, man. and so when you start getting. You know, with each generation, they have then you to got up New the York stakes. or like who are yeah. those people from so Flavor of Love? People are watching like an up. Uh, the stakes are upped, and then the next generation is watching up. Wow! So by the time you know you're twenty some seasons in, it is you, you're seeing such a crazy iteration of where it initially started, which is just like oh, they were just normal and sort of manipulated to look all psychotic, and so uh, and so that's sort of the same thing where. People are – it's raising the bar every time on what extreme behavior is and it, there's a new kind of bench – there's a new baseline each with each generation. It just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. With that thought, apparently I heard recently that sex sometimes back in the day used to not end with bukkake. What? Yeah. There was a time when sex would end with like a, just a gentle eye contact. Well, that's – <laughs> but that's, that is actually a weirdly related point which is that a generation Porn. of – Kids are growing up yeah. with fruit, with easy access to porn. I'm doing and, a bit about that right now. And becoming desensitized. And, le- and educated from porn. They think that's what sex is. That's right. what normative sexuality is. It reminds me of um, it, uh, memory. Do you know about how uh, – it, it's exactly analogous to the way that we remember things. Do you know about this? Apparently, memory isn't – when you remember something, you don't remember the incident. You remember the previous time that you recalled the incident. So you're remembering the memory. Oh my god! Right, so you're not, so over time, your actual memory starts to skew because right. you're not remembering the incident. You're not remembering where we first. There's met. a degradation. It's like a cassette tape exactly. of a cassette tape yes. of a cassette tape of a cassette tape. And so that's interesting that that's happening in reality TV, like in reality. And then in quotation marks, reality TV. That's so. That's so fascinating. Well, that's why if we go all Black Mirror and we basically can actually capture things as they happen from our own point of view to recall at any second, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be helpful or if it's going to make everything a million times worse. That seems like your nightmare, Natasha. I'm definitely anti-technology. So is Lydia. Really? Yep. Drives her nuts. I'm just like, you know, sometimes I'll talk to Moshe and I'll just be talking and I'm like... <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> Did you hear that? Hello? 
She does it in that 1930s voice too. Hello, it's one Hello? of my favorites. I love the I love the Natasha 1930s voice. Uh, yeah, you're lucky, Moshe. I am. You lucky. To hear it all the time. Yeah. Hello. Hello, hello. I love you. Um, but yeah, it's Klondike uh, Fall Three Two. <laughs> I find it very depressing. I don't know. I just feel like. Also, I think like the world is changing, and and I just have very little. Uh, I have very little faith in it because everyone's just now like completely distracted. And what a perfect time to bring a child into the world. <laughs> well, I'm only having one. <laughs> just one. And I just wanted to make sure I got all the experiences of life. Fantastic. I, I can't tell you how often, I would say quarterly, Natasha just stops in the middle of a conversation and just goes, why wasn't I born in the 1940s? <laughs> it happens all the time. You would have hated it. 30s, 20s. I think you would have hated it. Really? Yes. You know what I like? I like, I like what technology... Uh, has done for music I like that I can have speakers throughout my house and just on my phone pick any song in the world I think that's good and I also like mobile massage (laughs) (laughs) so for for those two things I'm into technology I'm no on I'm no on email I'm no on accessibility (laughs) for the disabled I'm no on I'm no on uh, the end of isolated communities being able to communicate with family members but I am into soothe.com no but the problem the problem is Mosh is that Oh, what was the first thing he said? Uh, what? It's not that I'm against against email. It's just that the urgency has become like like just it's so persistent. Like on my way here, even when I was meeting you out front, I was like sitting there trying to like because everyone's like, uh, "What's what's your answer? We need to answer by four. And it's like I just got the email. Like why is that the precedent <laughs> that's being set? And so if that is what's happening all the time, and it's not even for important stuff, you know, but it's like everything is just kind of like. It's just, I feel so inundated, and I, I want there to be a time where I'm just like, it's like how I feel when I smoke pot. That's why I like to smoke pot sometimes, because it's like, <gasps> Natasha. When I, when I smoke pot, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to like walk over, walk to the cafe, and maybe I'll run into a friend, and it just feels like life is like moving at the right pace. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am of the firm belief. Sorry, I know you're both sober. No, it's fine. <laughs> I am of the firm belief that our brains, that technology exceeded what our brains can process uh-huh. that the amount of information mm-hmm. that we are asking our brains to process every day at all times number one makes us feel like time is blowing by at a meteoric rate because we're not notice we're, we're so distracted all the time and number two that we just have so many open loops in our brains at all times of things that because our, our brains don't always know the difference between what is an important task and what is a non-important task. It just knows. I've these got are 16 ab- emails. That's and right. And you just start returning them. And it's like, I got to do this. What's the Why? triage? What's what, the priority? Does this really need to happen now? Yes, I got to do it now. Why? Because I don't have to think about it anymore. You know? I mean, it's and – it, and it is all a complete – it's mostly a complete illusion. But you've been a pretty um, robust advocate for the advantages of technology. Yes, I have. And, and, and I'm not even – <laughs> No, you're absolutely here, right. And here comes the roast. No. Uh, but so I, I think there's – there is some balance between your position, or maybe your position is evolving, and, and your position. There is some, like, I did an episode of my show on Comedy Central about this. We had this guy, uh, Nicholas Carr, on, who wrote a book called um, how, how the Internet is, uh, is Changing Our Brains, The Shallows. It's called right. How the Internet is Changing Our Brain. He basically argues that our brains have become uh, less functional, that, they're, that, that we, have, we have abused their elasticity with the gavaging of, uh, you know, the, like, foie gras ducking of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so he had really salient and terrifying points to make about the way our brains are just no longer processing things deeply, and that we're less. Will it contemplative. change? Though? Like, will we evolve to keep to catch up with it? Uh, it, it? It depends on I think what happens. What well, I do think that people. I mean, I, I think that there is probably um, 
a natural selection element at play that people will excel mm-hmm. who know how to um, function in a in a shallow, like real quick moving world where information is that fast and you have to process it. The, the you know, and the people who can't, the more you know, they they will just sort of fade fade back away. So yeah, I mean, it's it reminds me of how when um, right after I started doing at midnight, I had lunch with Conan and. And we were talking about doing a daily show and he said – he goes, yeah, you just live in your short-term memory. And he said, when Jerry Orbach died, I told my st- – I said to my staff like, oh, man, I wish – you know, I, I, I'm so sorry I never really got to meet that guy. I wanted to have him do this one sketch on a show and on the show and he described it. And they go, yeah, we did that. And he goes, no, 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 no. We didn't do that. And he go, they go, yeah, yeah, we did that. And he goes, are you fu- – I would fucking remember if I did that sketch with Jerry Orbach. So they sat him down and showed him oh a tape from the first season of his show where he had done the exact sketch that he had no memory of he doing. He just has memory loss. <laughs> well, I would forget – I would run into people and go, you should do At Midnight. They were like, I was on I've last month. Because funny. you, when you live so much in your short-term memory, which yeah. technology forces us to do – Things are really not seeping past that upper layer of your brain. And you right. need to seep past to like invent something or create something great. Like you can't be in that short term area. And like we all know we'll be like focused on something. Oh my God, I have to write that down. You grab your phone to write a note and then all of a sudden you have an email. Uh-huh. And then this email is about or a text. Uh, what kind of coffee do you want? Or what, you know, like what it's just something stupid. And then all of a sudden your mind gets totally on that track. And then you forgot the thing that you came there to to go you know it's just it's very right. we all know what this is it's it like Siddhartha sat and, and stared at a river for 40 years and then was like aha <laughs> it's like we don't have time for all that now I want to stare at a river well let's go let's stare at one I think that'll be the furthest iteration of technology is that we're, when VR becomes truly immersive and then everybody's so tired of technology that they put on VR goggles and then just like go to a farm in Vermont no they'll, they'll get onto VR and start playing video games in VR like they'll be a creature playing a video game in VR but I think you're right there is a healthy meat there is a there is a balance somewhere we're just not I think as a species, we're not good at balance. We need things to be binary. We need we need extremes because it's easier to subscribe. You know, like you, if you throw yourself into an extreme, that's a lot less work, right? Because you don't because constructing a tailor made ideology of balance is a lot of emotional energy, and most people just don't have it because again, we're answering you know a thousand emails. Yeah, I mean that's what I was going to say. Is like on the one hand, there's Nicholas Carr's idea that we're getting stupider. On the other hand, my personal experience with my mother growing up, who was a deaf woman, like technology and the internet has been like the most deliberating thing in the world for her. Like right. nothing has made given her more access to the world. But what than- percentage of the world is deaf? 99. <laughs> what? Yeah, it just changed. You're out of business in this podcasting arena, bro. I can't hear you. What? <laughs> ah, see, it's what? spreading. What? I, I, I would love to sort of shift gears a little bit to talk about the birth of your child because I I don't know why, but I just – and I never even really thought of it. I was like, I just never thought – I never thought – I never pictured like, oh, you guys will have kids, not because there's anything – but I just think like – Kid, oh, one kid. Kid, 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 kid. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Several kids. No, I only – I don't want – I couldn't did imagine you ever want? Did you ever want any children or was this a last-minute thing or was it, an, was it well, not planned? Well, I must planned? have subconsciously wanted one because I did freeze my eggs. That's just so interesting is her act is always like – her famous joke is I'll never be pregnant for long. Right. right? I mean that's not my famous joke. <laughs> that's a great – <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, what is? Oh, actually, your famous joke is even more. And and uh, and to oh, having a child is like a DUI from the universe. <laughs> there's that, and then there's also toilet babies. Oh, I have a whole thing on toilet babies. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's not not exactly like. Oh, a, is that the, I didn't know I was pregnant. Is that the I yeah, didn't know I was yeah. pregnant bit? Yeah. Where they're just like sitting at a Wendy's and then a, you know, baby Arthur comes out. <laughs> baby Arthur. <laughs> it's but, a perfect name for a toilet baby. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so I froze my eggs and then, you know, I met Moshe and he's Jewish. So they like to have like a family. And <laughs> <laughs> that is a hurtful stereotype about my people. We do not like to have a family. Well, you know, it's like important, I think, to the to, to the you know Jewish culture to like procreate. Isn't that like? Well, I converted to Judaism. The two the two major tenets were like keep keep Shabbat and procreate. Don't pull out. Yeah, don't pull out and keep Shabbat. <laughs> yeah. So stay in. Leave it in and don't and, and do don't this. take it out. Don't take it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> leave it in. Don't so I froze my eggs like a, a while ago. And but that is pretty cool, right? That she uh, froze her eggs. Even while she's telling these jokes about, I'll I never. I didn't know Moshe. Well, I just was like, maybe I'll meet someone who would be like worthy of raising a child with. Meanwhile, I'm in San Francisco cutting my teeth, you know, <laughs> just just <laughs> obliterating crowds night after night. I thought you were going to. You're remembering the memory of a memory. <laughs> <laughs> you, you cut to the real me, and it's just like cricket, Ugh. literal crickets. And what am I doing? <laughs> Why with am my I a comedian? <laughs> So since you asked if you'd like to know my story, I do. I froze my eggs and I got like ten, and then they I met Moshe, and then they keep them in a freezer, and then they have to turn them into embryos. So then well, I met we, Moshe. We, we we let's tell the the full story too. We we had a hard time. Oh yeah, because I was trying to save those, and then they they we started doing IV. Do you mind if we just truly? I mean, I, mean, this, I wasn't going to talk about that, but now that you said it, well, do you, is that what you sure? Well, if you're, if you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> Well, we went through like ra- a few rounds of IVF because we weren't we weren't successful because we were duped by the doctors and well we weren't successful re- the regular style or doggy style <laughs> and um, and and so then we started like an IVF is brutal to women I don't know if you <laughs> well I've been talking to Matt Myra because he and Dory have they been going, going through it and they've had a whole they do a whole podcast I'm say this because they, they do, do a, a whole podcast, podcast about, about IVF yes it's called Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure they do they because what they realize is that there was a lot of stuff that they didn't know or understand about IVF and it was very hard for them emotionally and so they started doing a podcast and other people found it and said this is life changing because this is shit that no one tells you they're like now we're just gonna travel we're not gonna have kids Uh (laughs) but also people that go through it are like embarrassed there's something happens where the women feel like they're they've done something wrong if they can't get pregnant well it's Matt's fault because his sperm count's almost zero so Uh yeah so yeah I mean I'm not gonna say I was completely at fault (laughs) no no one was at fault I I don't think we ever figured out what if it was me or you but But, it wasn't working but uh, it wasn't working and And also it's very confusing because it's like you can only get pregnant one day a month. Isn't it shocking? I don't understand this how... This thing that you live in fear of when you're a teenager and our par- my parents were just like, don't fuck... And when you, when you get old and you realize, like, it's actually... It's insane that anyone ever gets pregnant right. with the timing of it. Except that it's not as insane when you're a teenager. I've learned this. You have so many eggs that they, if you happen to have sex on that day yeah. or three days around that day, you're pregnant. They oh, told gotcha. me, well, yes, because they told me when a they, uh, when a woman is 38 or 40 or something, her egg count of fertile viable eggs is is something like 80 20 or 90 10 bad oh wow when they are 18 the numbers are reversed 
Oh, it's ninety percent. So ninety. Another reason for chance. you guys out there to not have sex with twenty-year-olds, right? Yep. Yeah. As if you needed more reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Having sex with twenty-year-olds is one of the worst things. Oh. Uh, so we did IVF, which is hardcore. It's like you were shooting. I mean, you were. It's like an injection. Yeah, but I sold my eggs in college, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. I mean, I had like put. I mean, it never actually turned into a baby because there was issues with the other end. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. But I was used to like shooting up myself. Shooting up. With hormones. Yeah. You're flooding your body yeah, with yeah, hormones. exactly. It's hardcore. It was hardcore. I, I, I thought so you then, were so strong. I mean, I'm being sincere now. I thought you, you were. It was so incredible to watch because it was like, it's not, it's not cool what happens to women when they shoot themselves filled with hormones night after night. It's like really intense. And it's also, it also feels like. You know, it, it it also just feels so, at least from what I've heard from Matt, so businessy in the sense that, like, they're charging so much for stuff that's like, does this really need to cause that much? Or do you just know that people will pay it because they want to have children? Right. Yeah. I, it's like every vial's $400. You know, crazy. it's just silly. It's so expensive. IVF is very expensive. And we did two rounds of it and it wasn't working. And I started to freak out financially. And I remember the conversation the doctor had. It was so funny. He sits me down and he goes, look. I go, why don't we just use these eggs that she's got? These eggs are sitting right there. Let's just use these eggs that she's got. You know, because like as much as Jews like to have family, we like to not spend money even more. And, and he goes, listen, you got to think about those eggs like a, like a, uh, a savings account. Okay, you want to st- keep the savings account, and you got to think of the IVF more as like a checking account, and you <laughs> spend that Christ. money. And I'm like, can we not use a bank and life savings based metaphor? P.S. Sorry about your papa. Wait, why are you <laughs> Doc, talking to me like this? We got a different doctor, and then they told us to use use those eggs. So then we turned them into we embryos. Th- we saw ten out. I thought I thought when I froze my eggs. If anyone's listening out there. If you get 10 eggs, that doesn't mean you're going to have 10 kids. That's what I thought. <laughs> but so they, they freeze them, and then when they make them embryos... They thaw them out. They thaw them out only And then like, you go, as the men, you go into the lab, and you jerk off on top of recently thawed. Mm-hmm. You just spray it down. All, no. Just all the way across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, yeah, blue, blue, wherever blue, it lands. Blue, 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 it's like blue. a carnival game. That's right. Yeah. And then I think four of them turned into embryos. The other ones kind of died. And that and still then, doesn't ensure that it's... No, and then they tested them. And then they they grade them. So then they tested them, and then two survived. We're down to two now. And okay. so I put one up, and it died. She did it herself. They put it on your finger. Oh, and you that's just so pop strange. It up. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't realize. Weird. But that's a lot. That's really expensive to just, to <laughs> just jam your finger in yourself. I, that's what I thought. But no, actually, that was my idea. The doctor was like, usually the doctor was. I was like, no, 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 no. I heard this metaphor. So he was recently. like, okay, so now there's one left. <laughs> nice job, Moshe. People are going to be so confused how this works. Okay, so they stuck one up, it died, and then they stuck the other one up, and it's at home with the nanny. <laughs> well, that is true. We were down to, um, and that was a very nostalgic way of telling that tale, Natasha. But yeah, we thawed them out. It went down to two. We we put one in, and, and it didn't take, and we were down to one egg. And we were thinking to ourselves, like, we really were going, like, okay, maybe it's not going to, for us. Maybe so you wouldn't gonna... have gone through it again? There, there was nothing to go through. I would have just gotten a donor egg and mixed it with Moshe's sperm and told everyone it was my kid. <laughs> I was to- but like get someone, you know, find a girl that like looked like me, who was Italian, who had a dimple, who maybe went to Harvard. <laughs> and then or, or, I would have carried a, it and, you know. Or adopt a 17-year-old. Right, isn't that's that, true. Isn't that your joke? Well, yes. But then I was starting to think like when I, because now you have a baby, you have got to like, everyone, all the parenting books, so you have to constantly talk to it. But they don't, she can't focus. So then I'm like constantly talking to her, but I don't know what to talk to her about. And now I'm just like, when would I really like to hang out with her? And I think it's like when she's 30. You know, 
podcasts aren't permanent, right? She'll never be able to hear this. No, but I think no, like, not I by just, then. Yeah, great. I liked I liked the idea of imagining us as like you know we could have a glass of wine and like. Talk. I have to tell you, it makes me it 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 makes me happy to hear you say that because Lydia is a great talker, and I. I've tried to video this many times, and she'll always catch me and be like, turn that off. She talks to the cat nonstop, sings, <laughs> sings to the cat, runs her oh lines God, for auditions with the cat. I hear her sometimes just, just having she an full... only child? No. Just having full... Conver- there's not even an excuse for it. Just having full-on conversations with the cat. And so I know... Is it baby talk or just regular talk? Regular talk. That's Someday cool. you're going to come home and you're going to hear her talking, and then you're going to hear... Chris doesn't love you like I love you, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Frisky. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so. I think I think we're very covered in that in that respect. Well, that's that's great. That is that is a that is a very. Um, I'm sure I'll enjoy other parts, but I do think that you know the newborn phase is a very particular phase, and everyone's like, then they start teething. Then they start being toddlers that you have to run around and catch. Then they start to hate you. I've heard so that I'm a lot from like, parents, though. That by the time they, they well, they'll say like they're four, five, four or five or six years old, they'll go, now it's fun. They go, for the long time, it was just about, you know, just being able to get this creature to stand up and understand the world. But now that they kind of have little personalities, now, now it's like we can hang out with them. Natasha's pretending to be kind of hardcore, but she's always going like, all I want to do is hang out with my baby. Tell the truth. No, I do want to hang out with her, but she doesn't do that much. That is she very true. She just started, like, looking at us in the eye. Kind of. Like, and kind of smiling, but not really. She's how only did eight you, weeks old. How did you change? Did you, did you feel a switch flip? Here's what happened. We got home from the hospital, and we thought our whole world was changed. And Moshe kept, like, singing to her every morning. And then after, like, three days, we're like, oh, she's just a blob. And, <laughs> like, she's not going to give back. And then I think we got a little bored. I would sing to her every morning. I would be like, wake up! You wanted to with some uh, chop suey by System of a Down every morning. But now that she's like waking up, because she also our baby. I don't. Moshe doesn't want to admit this, but she cries a lot. So basically, it's not just like oh, it's boring. It's like oh, she woke up, you fed her, and now she's going to cry for an hour and a half, and nothing kind of makes her stop crying. And then as soon as she stops crying, she just goes back to bed. So that was a that got a little old, as you can imagine. Do you get numb to that in terms of like hearing it? Did you ever think that if a baby cried for an hour and a half before you had kids, you'd be like, "Oh my god, what what do people do?" But now yes. that you're in it, you're like, "Oh, it's just well." Now her stops. personality's changing a little bit, so she's like awake and not crying, okay. which is like nice. Would you say that, Moshe? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's definitely a moment. There's about two months. There's a two month phase where you're like, "Oh, this is, baby doesn't do anything." But like hope to death that it's cute enough to keep you sticking around. I was actually reading about that. That part of them having chubby cheeks is so that you take care of them. So you, it's so you, cute. You the monkey doesn't go. Uh uh-uh, uh. I can't deal with this. I'm out. I'm going to the next jungle. This baby's too fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My baby got a six pack. He doesn't need me. I mean, they're all cute. There's another idea that babies come out looking a little bit more like the father than the mother, so that the father, and really we're talking about like the evolutionary father, doesn't. Take off and go right. like to like, and then I'm gone. Looks change. Yeah, right. But I but human babies, I think, besides whales, are the only mammals born with blubber. Yes, uh, I think that's true. That other other mammal babies are just these skinny little 
you know, barely, like, skeleton creatures. Like, they're just very skinny, and human babies have, like, blob, like a little bit of blob to them. Oh, I wish we had a skeleton creature. <laughs> I like our little blob. Um, th- whales also do the grandparent thing, I just found out. Do you know that? Whales well, you have... mean they're much cooler to the grandkids than they were to the parents? <laughs> That's right. They buy them toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it was never like this. They have a grandparent system where the gra- where the 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 the, grand- the family unit is so cohesive that the the grandparent helps raise the the grandchild. In my day, we didn't have krill all the time. <laughs> you you whale kids are spoiled. In my the, day, the ocean was much more shallow back then before this global warming nonsense. So, I, like, I like the idea of thinking of like what is what is the next generation of grandparents? Gonna, what are millennial grandparents going to be? Like? <laughs> it's going to be. Great. Who can even predict what millennial kids will be like? And like because I I think we won't even really know for you know a good couple of decades what the fallout of all the technology and everything we were talking about before. We still don't really know how that's going to affect humanity. Well, the generation a- under millennials, I believe, is called Generation Z. And then there's a generation that our kid is, people being born right now. And they're, oh, they're the called ones... final generation. No, well, they're the ones who are supposed to save us. So they're the Messiah save generation? From, save us from the robots, save us from the technology, save us from the pollution, hopefully. This is such hope, wishful thinking. I'm I just like. saying that's the generation. I mean, there's not going to be a generation after our kid. Oh, my God. Do you, you think, think that's true? I don't know. What Maybe do you I'm think, Chris? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there'll be a generation. I mean, there'll I- be a l- human life, but if global warming doesn't nuclear war, yeah, or global warming will be. I mean, I don't know what. Why did we have a kid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she was just sitting in a freezer. Right. Right. You know, might, might as well, as well live. let her live. Yep. I was always. I'm always. And and I've I had definitely dated I definitely dated comedians before and um, usually women who are much funnier than me too and 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 oh that's not true totally true oh my god are you kidding Andrea Savage Janet Varney fucking funny as fuck they're very funny but so are you well but I but I also but I also wondered I also I'm always fascinated by comedy couples because. You do understand each other on a certain. You understand how your how your careers. You understand how your minds work. But but I also always wonder: Do the same things that are strengths also you know do your weaknesses rub up against each other too? Your insecurities is it is it you know how to take care of each other? But then sometimes when you're both not in a great place, you kind of have the same. Do you have the same kryptonite as well? Is that not true with you guys? Well, there's that idea in uh, in. I think twelve step actually that it's like uh, it's just a good thing that no we're not all having a bad day at the same time right so I almost think like just what you're talking about the weaknesses when Natasha's having a rough career day and vice versa it's like there's this innate understanding of I've been there I've done that not that other couples don't have that exact same thing but there is something there is a kind of shorthand for for stuff that uh, in comedy I do feel like it's almost all advantage for me but I'm not a jealous person like I, I I've heard about comedy couples where like one person is like upset at the success of the other and that's just not that, that's I'm never, not that way either I never. think because I like I think everyone should succeed. I mean, like, I think there's room for everybody yeah. to succeed because it's not like I'm not getting parts because someone I'm dating got a part. Like, there's no I, I rem- even if we were going up for the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't give a shit. You know, like the funniest. You're funnier here, so you should get this. I once heard a casting announcement about a female wrestler in Glow. 
And I was like, oh, man. And then I was like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Like, that was, to me, the biggest window into the ego. That is the problem with Twitter and Instagram. I feel like Twitter stresses me out. And then Instagram, I'm like, why why aren't I at that party? Why aren't I at that opening? What? You know? And it's just... FOMO. Yeah. And that's what babies are good for. You create your own party. That's... You really do. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea of it. And and also, you know, when Lydia and I sort of talk about... You know, when I've said, like, oh my God, our lives are going to change. And she's like, we're in bed by, like, 8 o'clock. What are you? And I go, yeah, that's right. Actually, we don't go out very often. There's no crazy lifestyle that we lead. I feel like, you know, other than just getting up every hour, like, that, like, our lifestyle itself is not going to change a whole lot. Also, you're smart and developed and, and you have perspective and you'd be such a great... Like, I think we're the type of people who should be having at least one kid to make that generation that's going to save the world. Are you th- are you thinking about having... Is that yeah, 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 for sure. No, oh, no, I, I will. Cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're not... We're just not there yet. I also think that the other good thing about the two of you is that your comedy voices are so distinct and formed that I imagine it's... You guys aren't in a situation very often where it's like fighting over the scrap of a joke, like... You gonna use that joke? Yeah, I use a joke because because your voices are so they're so formed and so different from yes. one well, another. Sometimes too. we both like we both had a joke about jerking off defeat in our special. <laughs> that is but, true. You know, they were very different perspectives. Like my perspective is that men are so horny because women have never jerked off defeat. Like that's not a thing that's ever happened once. Like you know, and it, mine was all about her Instagram comments about guys <laughs> going like because her Instagram comments are so funny to me. It's just like these dudes, and I just don't get the. It's like catcalling, and that you're just like what is the game here like right. these dudes are just like oh those feet though your feet your feet where the feet i want the feet oh honey oh get the divorce let me smell your farts it's just like <laughs> what's the what's the possible working out of this thing like she dms him like my farts i'm i just ate a burrito come on by but so that was my perspective and then but what was interesting is we had to wrestle over who where it worked better it's not a callback per se, but it's a it's a kind of thematic callback for which would work better for her to do her foot stuff first. She did. It wasn't even a competition so much as where would it fit mathematically better. Right. What felt more like a callback, and in the end, it was like yeah, she sets it up, and then it becomes almost a callback, which I think is one of the unique thing. The subtleties of our special is that there's almost callbacks, but it's a different comedian, which I think is kind of neat. Also, though, we did in the third act of this, the third part of the special, we tell a story together and we were trading punchlines. Like, I would tell it one night and it wouldn't work. And then so Natasha would try the and same. And I'd show them how it's done. Oh, shit. <laughs> same joke and it would work for her. And they're like, okay, you do that or vice versa. That's so interesting. And also, just the idea that, you know, doing comedy together is such a. That's a pretty magical thing to be able to do in a relationship, touring together. Not you know being with each other both um, in your leisure time and at work essentially where your stage show really does depend on you both being present and there for each other that's a fucking amazing almost couples therapy kind of an exercise. I feel incredibly lucky. Do you bring Lydia on the road with you? No, it's better to have someone on the road with you. No, I don't. Mainly because and she would go when when she can go. Sometimes she does, but. But but my feeling is like oh it's like I'm not you know you, I don't you don't have to watch the same show if I'm doing like five shows you don't have to watch those shows I don't really do uh-huh. anything during the day because I'm trying to focus on what I'm doing at night I feel like I'm not fun 
And so I just feel like you're going to come and it's not going to be fun for you. So I, I feel like I'm sparing her the, 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 the experience. But she's always – if she can go, she's always like, I'll come. And I'm like, great. You're welcome to come. But I just feel like it's not going to be fun. That's, uh, that's kind of cool though. I mean I, I, there is something about watching the same set night after night that like only – it's a task only a comedian could love. Right. Like I'm sure I could do a week with you and watch your set every night because I watch it from a – we watch it almost from a mathematical perspective. Yes, yes. So as a comedian, you go, oh, okay. okay you did that. Evolve. Yeah, you did this one this way and then tweak it this way. And we were doing that for each other too. Like I would come off stage always with like 10 text messages from Natasha. Like you said this riff and that was good. Well, Moshe this- riffs all the time and he's never had a notebook. He's never written any joke down. So like he's just relying. I think it's the sober brain. Like he just has so much brain power that he's <laughs> able to uh, remember everything. I've yeah. never met anyone who does She's reading off of a note that I just handed her, by the way. <laughs> Do you not record? your sets I've never recorded a set he doesn't set. record a set he's never written down a joke and then he I never was carried on the a tour. notebook he was, remember you were on tour you were on tour with Aziz and Moshe's like yeah I mean he's, he sits and writes like he writes his set list every night before he goes on stage and I was like everyone does that <laughs> well the only reason I was uh, surprised by it was I was he was doing an hour that was about to be recorded but you do it out of nervousness too and just oh, out of that like that is not something I do but it was like the hour was like about to be recorded it was a it was a set it was no longer like in transition and I was like I do I do a set list before I go on stage though no matter what do you Chris yeah I do well what I do is if I'm doing multiple do you guys want water if I'm if I'm doing multiple shows like at a comedy club I will write the set list for the first show uh-huh. and then just sort of keep it and tweak it, you know, but I don't write it for every, for every show. I've done a set list in my career when I am, um, am I, when I'm out of practice, if I've been on like on vacation for a month and then I come back. I bet that's happened twice. It's very infrequent. It's very infrequent that I write a set I've list. seen you do that once. Yeah. God, I, and, and I, because I record every set and I never listen to them. And but it's I nice kn- to know you have it. Yes, I know, but I, I guess about, 30% of my set is just riffing with the audience. And I know I probably have an entire yep. special's worth of jokes that are just sitting forgotten from years of recorded sets. And But I, it just feels too overwhelming to go back and listen to all of them. Well, you just haven't the, been offered enough money yet to do a special. <laughs> on the other hand, I feel like I have what you have, but it's gone. It's gone. It's in right. the ether. I'll never get that. That would be fun, though, back. to listen to them all as a project. Yeah, maybe. Uh, At least to get new you material. Should, you should hire someone. No, I would never. I feel like I, I, I would feel terrible for <laughs> even paying someone to listen. I've to actually paid just go to someone Home to listen to some of my old specials. <laughs> just get someone to jump in the car and just throw, just throw them an iPod. Okay, I'm a stand-up comedian. I just need you to go through this stuff. Tell me what the gold is. He's like, all right, sir. I have paid someone though to li- to, to to dictate. I'd rather I can't listen to myself. Yeah, I don't want to rewatch a special. Have you so ever I've rewatched? Had someone, I'd rather just scan it on a piece of paper. Rewatch the special? Yeah, your own special. No, but sometimes like if you're doing. If I'm doing like radio stuff or t- or TV stuff, and they'll play a clip from something, I'll I'll watch it and and usually I think like oh, I should have spent more time on that. Uh-huh. Like I wasn't developed enough. Like I'm I'm in a weird situation now where I have a bit that was tied to a larger bit, and I did the larger bit in my last special and. Two shows I did to make that special, and I forgot to do the last part of the joke two times in a row. And so now I have this joke that I love that works, but I cannot – it's so tied Uh to the other bit. And I am trying to figure out if there's any way – You will. 
you know, the only thing I could Especially think of... Especially if it got a big laugh. But the only way I could think about doing it is in the next special, just say, like, I did this bit on my last special, right. and I forgot the last part, so I'm just going to do the whole thing. That's the only way I can think of doing it, and that feels like a fucking cheat, so I think I just am not going to get to do it. You could say that, and then say to the crowd, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and then, then they'll, they'll be go, like, come yes, on. do it. Okay. Do it. <laughs> Please. All right. So when you finish this, when, when did you shoot the honeymoon special? We shot it in uh, uh, September. No. Uh, <laughs> I have no concept of. I don't know. Three, three months ago. About three months ago. Okay. November. Yeah, November. In yeah. No- November in Austin. That's right. Just b- before Thanksgiving. That was like six I months was, ago. I was eight right? months yeah. pregnant. Seven months pregnant. Yeah. But. I was still looking pretty good. You I were was looking ready great, to honey. do a special. She looks very good and very pregnant and very beautiful in that in that special. But as soon as but we 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 toured until like the day the doctor was like you can't tour no anymore. No more flying. So like when we came back from the special it was like you you can't leave anymore. Yeah, that was so intense. Like going through that and then she gets pregnant. We do the whole IVF thing. We get to the last egg. We pop it in there. We're like, whoa, it worked. Then she's pregnant. Then you're like, mm, please stay pregnant. Then she's really pregnant. And then we go on tour and start writing this. <laughs> like, like, it was so insane how much work but it was. But being pregnant is hard because it's like, imagine if you were pregnant. You do so much stuff, Chris. Like and like, they're like, we really recommend you lay down a lot, and it's like you you kind of have. So for to, like ten like, minutes a day? No, no, yeah. no, 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 just like like ten days. And I kept over scheduling things, and it's just like it's just my personality. So it's it is really hard, and like you know, the, it can result in miscarriage, and like you know, just self care. Like you have to kind of be like laying around, and it's like not. I didn't do it. Finally, but you're when that special, to. finally when that special was over, it just felt like such a relief because there was so it was more intense than any. Any other stand-up related thing I've ever done, I don't know if it's true for you, just because the pregnancy was so interlaced with it. The, the next day, we spent an extra day in Austin at the Hotel St. Cecilia, which is like Natasha's favorite hotel. And, uh, and then we, we went and we ate Sundays. And we heard that there was a screening of Titanic at the AMC, <laughs> like on the big screen. Yep. And we went to see Titanic. And it was like, it was just the night. I don't know. It was just the nicest decompression. This is the most romantic ever. thing I've ever heard you say, Mosh. That I like Titanic. No, I didn't know. That, <laughs> I didn't know you. You loved that day so much. Any, do you ever I, have a day where you don't do anything? No. Yes. Yeah. No. No. I don't know. No. Lydia's always like, stop doing. St-. I, when we go on vacation, it takes me seventy-two hours to unplug. And it takes me 72 hours to replug in when we start back up from the momentum. But you probably have an itinerary for vacation, too. <laughs> Maybe I do. <laughs> Maybe I planned out you our entire... You need to go to, like... You know where you should go where we went on our honeymoon? God damn it. Oh, to, to Bora Bora. There's yeah, nothing to do that there. That would be good for you. Just go stare at the glass floor. At yeah, the yeah. Exactly. Gonna... It would be funny if they started a service for people like you where it's like, um, you know the, when the kids are on drugs, they like uh, abduct them and send them to rehab in Utah? Right. But it's like you, and they come in the night, they grab you, they throw you on a private plane, and they take you to Bora Bora, and they're like, relax, motherfucker! <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's funny that you say that because I was just, the last time we were on vacation was over the new year, and I'm like, oh, we'll go have this really relaxing time. And we went to the Pacific Northwest, and I did. I planned everything. Like, okay, we'll rent the, we'll fly into Portland. We'll stay at this hotel for a few days. We'll rent the car. So I got us. We're gonna get on a ferry. We're gonna go to Victoria, and then we'll spend New Year's there. And then we're gonna hit this and this and this museum and this thing. And then we're gonna go across to Orcas Island for a couple of days. Then we take these two. Sounds ferries. exhausting. Yeah, I know. Was it? It's like producing the vacation. Uh. Did I produce the vacation? You know, in Bora Bora, there's not even waves. What? 
This is like lagoon. It's in a lagoon. So it's, it's just a, like there's there's nothing to distract you. You're right. You just sit there and, <laughs> and that's eat it. like you know. And it's not boring. Boring. It's boring, but that's the beauty of it. Okay. And also, you know, who doesn't love a forty-five dollar cheeseburger? Uh, you're laughing like it's a joke, but it's not. A joke. I'm not. I can imagine. It's it. a real thing. There was a club sandwich there that was forty-two dollars, and it was eighty dollars if you wanted to add lobster. So you're you're the the sort of the, your character on stage. Do you are you close to her at all? Like we are very close. Yes, <laughs> I mean, dear dear friends. In, in terms of like, if someone if someone if someone said to you like, okay, magically all of a sudden you're a billionaire, would you live that way or would you still like? I like to surround myself with beauty if possible. Okay, so you know I'm always trying to do that. Even Burning Man, I saw your fucking souped up trailer for Burning Man, which was gorgeous. Oh. Do we have a souped up gorgeous trailer? You had a fucking really cool, like, airstreaming 1950s. Like, yeah, no, that's cool. That's Moshe, though. Moshe's I, got good style. I'm, I'm obsessed with uh, little, little teeny tiny things like that, like little teeny tiny RVs and stuff like that. And, and then Natasha gets in and she puts her, her, her touch on it. But I. I, I RVs are not her thing. Did you ever think you would go to Burning Man? No. And but but do you like it? That's one of the reasons why I had a child because I was like he'll never make me go again. <laughs> well, that's not true at all. No, it is. I mean, maybe in five, six, seven. I mean, how how young? It'll be a while t- before I can make even make the ask. You're not going to pitch that she goes to Burning Man, are you? Like in the next five years? I guys, thinking, let's make Burning Baby. Uh, I was Burning thinking, Man for hipster with kids. <laughs> I was thinking she could go this year actually, but. Without us, <laughs> she'll it'll expand her mind. Yeah, six months old. Yeah, we'll send her with a nanny. <laughs> Just eating trunk hot dogs. <laughs> oh my god! Trunk hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, you feel good. Are you happy? Yeah, I, I got to get home and breastfeed. Okay, you know I adore both. I adore the shit out of both of you, and I. Constantly wish we would hang out more, but then I, you know, I'll, oftentimes I always feel like oh, I'm just bothering people, or they're busy, or now now you have a baby, but you know, we adore you too. So we 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 consider that an invitation. Please, yeah, please come come hang out, or let's have dinner when you can. I mean, I know obviously it's, we're we're I mean this we're getting, or we'll come we're to you. Help. This isn't going to translate on the podcast, but we're wallpaper brothers, and that goes a long way. <laughs> we both have the same William. You know, it's really funny. Is I, I almost I, this is going to be very relatable. I had I had a little bit of an air. I had a little bit of an, an arrogant moment because a friend of mine said her friend is why I've been doing these Instagram stories about the remodel of the other place. Oh, I got to follow you. Oh yeah, I've been I've been doing them for months. They're really fun. So they, um, uh, I said, oh, I I got this William Morris wallpaper for the kitchen. And her friend sent it to her and was like, <laughs> I think he meant William Sonoma. And he said William Morris. <laughs> he had a Hollywood brain fart because William Morris is an agency. And so. Oh, you're just like cracking your knuckles I getting ready a, to. I took, a, I took a screenshot of like, you know, the, the definitive William Morris style book and his Wikipedia page and the wallpaper wrapper that says William fucking Morris was a leader of the arts and crafts movement. And uh, and I and I and then I had to stop. And I still sent it, but then I was like, "Who am I becoming?" That I w- I had to like school someone. That about- uh, no, that's a moment. No, 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 Chris. When you have moments like that, 
where the opportunity to body slam someone is made so <laughs> crystal clear. Over a 19th century That's wallpaper, right. archival fucking <laughs> wallpaper with fucking deer on it. Then you have to take You got to take those moments, man. You don't get a lot of full wins. You know, usually wins come with some caveats. But if you get just a full, no matter how petty that full win is, you take that win. That's very internet-y of me. And uh, I apologize. But come back anytime. Honestly, please come hang out. We can do podcasts. We don't have to do podcasts. You can just come over and we can hang out like people. Yeah, well, thank you. And watch our special on Netflix. Oh, yeah. The Honeymoon right Special now. is up now. Like, yeah. I mean, you can watch just go. It. You can just Dreaming. go watch it. Just watch that right and now. watch seasons one through three of another period. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.